Good morning, everyone. Hello, friends. Uh, our first reading uh, from 2 Kings, speaking about Elisha, the prophet. If you haven't read 2 Kings, it'll be helpful for you to understand what's happening. Uh, so Elisha is a prophet of God. You know, in their time, uh, most people didn't like him because they didn't like what, he was, what the prophet has to say. Uh, we find this Shumanite woman uh, who is extending care, hospitality to him. And not just a little bit, a lot. <clears throat> and Elisha wants to return the favor, if you will. Um, she's initially not interested. If you read the book, she's, well, I'm good. Uh, but uh, he tells her, um, God will give you what it is that you've been asking for. And, uh, but the time will come when uh, she will uh, need him, the prophet. And you can read that in the Second Kings, what will happen. St. Paul is giving us the theological paintings of baptism. He's talking to us about what it is to be baptized, what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And my friends, um, uh, sometimes as it is, you've heard me talk about the English translation of the scriptures. And in this case, I want to uh, point out some pieces uh, from our gospel that has uh, loses a little bit with English translation. Uh, so there it says, whoever finds his life will lose it. And I know when our English hears that whoever finds their life will lose it, what is he talking about? So what is being, what is meant by that is uh, whoever denies Jesus in order to save their life will lose it. That is the understanding of this. And then, he, and then whoever uh, loses their life. It means whoever, um, because of me, loses, they will have life. And he's referring to eternal life. <clears throat> and over there, uh, further down, it says, whoever receives a prophet, uh, uh, because he is a prophet, uh, will get a prophet's reward. A prophet's reward is good. You see, now he's not talking about the prophet. He's talking about the person who's helping the prophet. So the Shumanite woman, um, you see uh, there, and then uh, oh, whoever receives the righteous one. Um, will receive the righteous one's reward. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about the little ones. The little ones that Jesus is referring to are, in fact, the prophet, the righteous ones. And then it does make a statement, the disciple. Whoever receives a disciple because he is my disciple will not surely lose their reward. And my friends, um, this becomes important for our ear to understand what, uh, what are these statements that are being made that Matthew has recorded, that Jesus has said. So I hope this helps a little bit. I'm going to move away from a classic understanding of the scriptures today. Whenever I do that, I give you a heads up. I'm going to warn you. I'm going to move in a different direction um, from the classic understanding that you would receive. So uh, from the gospel, uh, there are certainly many teachings, but there are two overriding ones uh, one is about carrying our cross, and the other one is uh, what I call hospitality, because the end of it talks about a cup of water given. The hospitality Jesus speaks of is towards his disciples, towards his apostles. Strictly speaking, he is talking about his apostles, um, his messengers. Uh, but we will broaden that uh, a little bit down the road to include all disciples, um, and there, even though we might not care for the demeanor or style of one of his disciples or apostles today, a bishop, 
perhaps Father Mark. Still, the messenger deserves respect because of whom the messenger represents. And by that, what I mean is that a disciple does not act in their own name, preaching their own gospel. They carry out the mission of Jesus Christ. They do so in the name of God. They are not claiming their own kingdom or their version of the kingdom. They are claiming the kingdom that Jesus spoke about and tells us about. The disciple follows Jesus' example of obedience to his heavenly Father. I hope certainly as a priest I'm doing this. And, um, Jesus' exhortation about carrying one cross is a very dramatic thing and very, at the same time, distressing for us to hear. Uh, the account just before the episode that we read today, uh, Jesus said that he came for division. That also needs context, too. But he said, uh, mother and daughter will be divided. Father and son will be divided. Uh, he makes comment about in-laws, but that's kind of just... In-law will be, yeah, we know. <laughs> it happens all the time. Um, um, so when we take a look at this, um, today's account, he says, if you love your relatives more than you love him, you're not worthy of him. And uh, uh, so... Uh, St. Augustine said it, uh, it's simply a question of God being in the first place, having primary place in our lives, and then he said everything else will fall into proper order from that point. So really he simplified it and just said make God your priority and all the other things will fall into its natural place. In context, then, these words were right on target for our early church. When the decision to become a follower of Jesus Christ, to become a Christian, did in fact divide families. Christianity uh, in Jesus, when Jesus rose, so I'm talking about St. Peter uh, and the apostles after the resurrection, Christianity, or the followers of the way as they were understood, uh, their lifestyle and their beliefs were so incompatible with the culture and time around it. When people made the decision to become a follower of Jesus, to become a Christian, to become a disciple, they separated themselves from a whole network of family life, social life, and business contacts. In, in St. Paul's time and St. Peter's time, when you became a Christian, people wouldn't do business with you because the parading, there was Jewish, and then the Romans, they were just kind of nutty anyway. They had all kinds of gods. Um, so becoming a Christian was not a little decision, it was an enormous decision. It was not a private choice or matter. It had profound implications and consequences in all sectors of the person's life. Today is very much the same, although uh, many people feel, well, my faith is a private matter, and I will keep it to myself and keep it in my house. No. No. Not at all. My friends, today so much around us is indifferent, even hostile to the teachings of Jesus Christ and to his church. The unfortunate culture of our times, we see uh, the rise of addictions of all kinds. We see corporations being really stupid and doing really malfeasant things. I like that word, malfeasant. It's fun. My friends, uh, more close to home, 
um, the way that the sacrament of matrimony is made light of and made fun of in movies, in music. And then there is the relentless assault about the dignity and value of human life. On almost every front, we are faced with the decision to go silently along with society. I'll just be quiet and keep everything to myself in my house. Or to live as Christ teaches, publicly, being his disciple. It is a choice as serious for us today as it was for the early Christians. The influence of our popular culture is everywhere, and it employs every type of media and platform possible to put forth its ideology to us. But you know this, don't you? Because you live in that world. You live in that culture. My friends, it is so aggressive and relentless that many Christians are overcome by it, seized by it. And in this, they become to depart from the teachings of Jesus Christ. We know folks who are in our families, friends, and we know folks whose family life and married life and personal lives are in great challenge, maybe even in chaos, because of the influence of the status quo, because uh, the onslaught of culture moving against them. But these people, and I'm referring to baptized Christians, in particular Roman Catholics, they are the folks who St. Paul is talking about in the second reading, who says they are baptized in Jesus Christ. Now, uh, on the day of their baptisms, they were dressed in white garments, they were anointed with the sacred oil, and they were given a candle, and the exhortation was to their parents and godparents to keep this candle burning brightly, meaning to help them with the faith, keep it going, keep it strong until that day when they would go out to meet our Lord, until the day that they would die. And as it is, sometimes uh, things go awry in our lives and in their lives. Um, things went wrong. And my friends, often there is a question that we priests encounter um, that all of you probably have heard also is, is there room in the church for our baptized brothers and sisters who have made mistakes, whose lives are chaotic, perhaps. And I think this is where the link of hospitality of the Shemanite woman comes in from our first reading. Most of us know Catholics who have made mistakes and committed serious sins of all kinds, who now feel, who now feel, that the Catholic Church does not want them anymore and they are not welcomed. They feel or think that to come to church they must have wrinkle-free and stain-free lives. But that is not true. We come into this sacred place to become holy, not to become perfect. God does not demand of us something we cannot do. Perfection is not possible. Certainly not without him. Certainly not here. So then the hospitality 
of the church is not the hospitality found in, in our church, in Mother Church. We have what I call the hospitality of grace from our Lord, where people do not have to have picture-perfect lives. They don't have to have perfect families, and they don't have to have perfect marriages. Our church is a place for those who have made mistakes and perhaps are struggling to begin again. Our church is a place for those who struggle with the faith. There is room in the church for such. The grace given to the church, the hospitality that extends from it, is supposed to help people put the pieces back together again. And that is why weekly Mass, at least for Roman Catholics and Orthodox Christians, are so crucial. Remember last night I made a comment uh, that a society who throws away segments of their constituents, of their people, is a society that needs a lot of help. So would it not be true then of a church who throws away segments of their own? There's a problem with that. I'm not talking about those who have made a choice to walk away. The scriptures are very clear. Jesus let people walk away all the time. I am talking about Roman Catholics who have felt that the church has turned their back on them or they don't want them here anymore because of mistakes or because life is not perfect for them. So certainly, all of us have crosses to carry. And as it is, we cannot, I wish we could, just put that cross on a shelf for a day or for an hour and then come here. See, it is perfect. That's not possible. Here is the place where we can come to recalibrate our moral compasses, revive our commitment as disciples of Christ. Here, in this church, we can reignite the baptismal candle, clean off our baptismal garment, and through our Lord's grace, restore Christian dignity. Reclaim our place, our proper place at the Lord's banquet table. And during the whole thing, we are slowly remodeling our lives. So here's my appeal to you. If you know of Catholics or lapsed Catholics who feel that they are no longer welcome or that time too much has passed or who have been overwhelmed by the crosses in their lives, please try to show them hospitality, meaning extend the olive branch, invite them to come. I take the image of a cup of water Jesus said, anyone who would give even just a cold cup of water, anybody and everybody can have and extend the cold cup of water to anybody. It's free. It's a hospitality, a kindness given. And uh, um, it's not expensive. And even a poor person could help in Jesus' mission by offering in this case, as he was telling his disciples, some hospitality. And this is where I'll switch and say, now when I refer to disciples, I'm not talking about the apostles, I'm talking about the baptized. 
Friends, please let them know that there is a place for them in Mother Church. It is time for them to come home. It is time for them to come home. Where through the sacraments, they can renew their spiritual strength. They can remove the stains of their sins and many mistakes. You and I, each one of us, can be conduits of the loving hospitality that Jesus Christ refers to so often in the Gospels to give to those who are in need. So often I hear, Father, my daughter said she is, and my response is, she belongs in the church. Father, my son now claims to be, he belongs in the church. But Father, my family said, they belong in the church too. <laughs> the best place for a sinner is in the church. The safest place for a sinner is in the church. Because here it is, my friends. If we continue to throw them out, society will take them and will devour them and will put them on a trajectory that they will not recover from. They will truly be lost. So the best place is here, inside this church, where we can watch and nurture and help. Jesus said, I came not for those who are healthy, but for those who are sick. That remains true today. So we have to invite them back. If someone has made a choice not to come back, okay. But this is different from those who stand on the outskirts looking in, feeling that they are not welcomed. There are always things to do. There are, last night I said, you know, we have excommunication in the church, and people think when someone's excommunicated, they get tossed out, and they can never, never step foot back in the church. That is not excommunication. Excommunication is Mother Church's final way to grab someone. Wake up! <laughs> People who are excommunicated may not have the sacraments at that time, until they, but they are expected to come in and sit their butt in the pew and listen to the priest. <laughs> See, people think excommunication means you can't come here. No, you must still come. And until... The healing begins, they can't have the sacraments. So there are restrictions. So if there's something going on, there's usually a remedy for it in Mother Church, even if it takes time. But this is not what some of them have heard. They've heard they're just not welcome anymore. And that is not true. There's many, many more of you. So you'll be able to get this message out. Invite them. If you want, tell them to come and see Deacon or Father Mark. Amen.